Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Christian Corner. The Christian Corner is brought to you by Edwards Chapel CME Church in El Centro. And the Christian Corner covers everything Christian and gospel, which includes but is not limited to Christian music, sermons, poems, and talking about God in general. You'll find motivational speeches and then some. So enjoy and have a blessed day. All righty. Today's segment of the Christian Corner, we're going to be going to Bethel Memorial AME Church in San Diego, and we're going to be listening to a sermon today, y'all. Praise the Lord, and let's check it out. All right. We come only as we know how, humbly beseeching thy love and thy presence, thy guidance, the fulfilling that you give only. For you're still the truth, the life. You're still the resurrection. We come not to a celebration today. We come ask for mercy. We come just to thank you, Lord. You've been so good to us. You're the one that died for us. Holy is your name. We don't celebrate the fact they were hurting you. They were crucifying you. We celebrate the fact that you rose. Got up on Easter Sunday morning. We just come to mourn, to praise you, to thank you. We can't do enough. We can't humble ourselves enough. But we know what you did for us. We can still feel the pain and hope that you have the understanding to know that we're human. We can only go so far in our suffering. But we know what you went through. We've seen the cross. we felt the pain. We're thankful, thankful, thankful on this Good Friday that you died for us. You made a way for us. We're grateful. We're grateful. We're so grateful this morning that you did all that for us. For all of us. You died for all of us. Didn't matter how bad a sinner we were. You took the, the, the sin of all, all of us to the cross. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Be with us in this service and bless every, every man that tries to preach your word. Bless those that see your prayer. Your praise. Use this service for thine honor and thy glory. We pray in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Pray with me. Lord, less of me and more of you. And in it all, you receive the glory. In the precious name of the crucified one, we pray. Jesus Christ, amen. The first words from the cross. 
reading them from the updated New American Standard Version of the Bible. It is translated in this manner. Beginning with the 34th verse, reading the 35th. But Jesus was saying, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they cast lots, dividing up his garments among themselves. And the people stood by, looking on. And even the rulers were sneering at him, saying, He saves others. Let him save himself, if this is the Christ of God, his chosen Everyone is included. Everyone is included. The text reading it from this translation reflects the passive voice. There is action taking place that is beyond the control of those who are gathered there. In, in other words, they really don't know what they are doing. Uh, this, 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 this scene, this scene tells us that the state has initiated the process of carrying out the death sentence on Jesus. This was truly the most agonizing and humiliating day in his life. Jesus had been betrayed by someone close to him, not, not only Judas, Peter, where are you? Some of his homies, his, his inner circle, turned their back on him. You know the story. He had been tried by a kangaroo court. He had been sentenced based on lies and trumped-up charges. A murderer was set free in order to, to get to this innocent man. And, and he was treated like a common, common criminal. Jesus is there, hung on the cross, and, and the cross is not a pretty sight. You, you see, in this day and age, sometimes we get the picture of the cross mixed up in our mind. Be, 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 because the cross was not golden and, and shiny, no, no. It, it was not even silver and, and or brass, no. Was not even stained wood, but it was an old rugged cross, a, a, a rough cross, a, a place of discomfort, a place where no joy could be found, a place with, with cruel death around yeah, the yeah. corner. I, I don't know about you, but I, I, I have to share this with you. In, in one of the towns where I ministered, they, 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 they had this this thing that they did every year where, where it would go from church to church. A cross would be carried, and, and that cross was not a smooth one. It had splinters in it. Right, 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 it it right, had right. roughets in it. Right, and, right, right. and if you put your hands on it and, and tried to carry it for yourself, you would find yourself getting those splinters in you. I'm, I'm talking about an old rugged cross. I, I'm talking about the cross that Jesus went to for you and, and for me. It was not a comfortable place. It was not pretty. No. 
my Jesus, your Jesus, our Jesus is on the cross. And, and, and the crowd has gathered. Uh huh. And, and, and who are those in, in the crowd? Men, men or women are there. We, we find that. Criminals are there. Political leaders are there. Religious leaders are there. All are present. And, and people who just wanted to be part of a crowd. Sometimes we're in crowds and we don't even know why we're in them. We're just there because everybody else is. And on that day, there were some in the crowd and they just wanted to be a part of a spectacle. A, a, a spectacle that they didn't even know they were witnessing. Disciples had, who had been with Jesus, walked with him. They had been trained by him. They learned by him. They, they are hiding out in a crowd. Oh, sometimes we love a crowd, not because of what they're doing, but because we love hiding out. We, we, we hide ourselves. We, we hide our sins. We, we hide everything in a crowd. We don't have to be truthful. We can keep our mask on in a crowd. And ordinary, everyday people were gathered in this crowd. People like you and and me, we're, we're in the crowd, y'all. We're, we're in the crowd. On, on this day, we're, we're in the crowd. We're, we're in the crowd at, at the foot of the, the, the cross. Addicts were there. Uh -huh. uh, how do I know? Because there was a group that was so addicted to gambling. They could not wait for a man to die. Addicts were in the crowd. People corrupted by the need for what is thought to be power is in, are in the crowd. People who were so insecure with themselves and they felt threatened by losing position. People that were on ego trips and self-righteous and pious people were in the crowd. People caught up in the act of doing wrong were present and in that crowd. Jesus had a way of drawing people in a crowd. The crowd, the crowd, the crowd, the crowd, the crowd at the cross. A, a crowd full of sinners in one way or another. But whatever, they're motivated by Jesus being there. The crowd this day, whether we want to realize it or not, we're all sinners saved only by the grace of God. And what that means is that that means none of us are any better than the other. No, 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 no. We, 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 we all have our stuff. And we've come to the cross today to face what it is that we carry in a crowd. At the cross, there, there's a crowd. And, and we are somewhere in that crowd. Everybody is a part of it. Now, now, with all the sinners around the cross, with everyone having their undivided attention centered on Jesus, with all that Jesus could have done, with all the power of the Heavenly Father available, with, with all of the mistreatment, all of the abuse, all, all the lies that have been told. Have you ever been hurt by lies in your life? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what it feels like. You know, you know what it feels like. Yeah. 
all of the misunderstanding, all of the ridicule, all of the resentment Jesus could have displayed. He, he could have had the angels come down and rescue him. But my Savior and yeah. your Savior, he didn't come down. He, did, he didn't come down. He didn't come down. No, he and didn't. he didn't come down. He did not come down because it was not for himself. It, it was for the crowd. And this very moment, under such treatment, he doesn't speak defiance. He doesn't utter words of spite. The first words out of his mouth, the first words Jesus speaks to these sinners and all sinners and all of us who carry the weight of that is a prayer. A prayer. Father, forgive them. Lord, they do not know what they are doing. It's continuous. Our lives in sin, though as perfect as we try to be, no matter how good we try to walk, we go back to that cross and we need to hear those words again. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Forgive those, Lord, who not only wrong me knowingly and unconsciously, forgive them, Lord, for, for wronging you. Have mercy on them, Lord. How many of us, in the midst of being wrong, misunderstood, lied on, mistreated, betrayed by those that we thought were friends, people we, we would think know better, have the strength, the audacity to look past a person and say, Lord, forgive them. Have mercy on them, Lord. I don't like what they did to me, Lord, but, but forgive them, Lord. Forgive them so I can be set free. Yeah. Forgive them, Lord, this day so I can walk with my head up and my and, and in good strength. It's good to know that this day, with the words of Jesus, everyone is included. It does not matter the sin. Jesus has already stepped in on our behalf. That's right. On the behalf of all sinners, all of humanity, as we reflect on this day, what Jesus has done, it's good to know that everyone is included. Everyone is included this day in God's mercy. Everyone is included this day in God's love. Everybody's included this day in God's forgiveness through my Lord, your Lord, our Lord. Everyone is included. Oh, there is a cross. There is, there's room at the cross for you. There's room at the cross for you. Though many come, there's still room for one. Yes, there's room at the cross. Everyone is included this day and every day. Walk with your head up high. Sinners, everyone is included.
of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. One of the criminals who were hanged there kept deriding him and saying, Are you not the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed have been condemned justly, for we are getting what we deserve for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he, then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He replied, Truly I tell you, today... You will be with me in paradise. I grew up hearing a little phrase or a cliche. No one likes a thief. If it's one thing that I cannot stand, that's a thief. Nobody likes a thief. I ask myself, what could I say differently about this text? Today you'll be with me in paradise. Sometimes I have more questions than I do answers. One of the questions that I had about this text is, what caused these two men to become thieves? What caused them to become that person that nobody likes? Now, to be sure, some people steal just out of greed or just out of a malicious act, they will steal. But we have learned that some people steal because of a circumstance, an unfortunate circumstance. Perhaps they don't have the job skills to be gainfully employed. There's a little homespun theology that would say when your stomach is playing a symphony, you'll do just about anything. Perhaps these gentlemen, they were not born into a family where they were taught stealing is wrong. I had the benefit of being born into a family, and it was no doubt in my mind that stealing, becoming a thief, was not acceptable. You may talk in school, and I'll come get you. You might have a fight, but you might have to defend yourself. You might be in school and can't stop running your mouth. It might be a consequence for that. 
But if you get caught stealing, don't call me. Nobody likes a thief. So I raise the question, what caused these gentlemen, these two that were hung on either side of Jesus, to become a thief? Whatever the cause might be, whether they were thieves, maybe they became thieves out of greed or maliciousness, or maybe they became a thief due to an unfortunate circumstance. But whatever the case might be, they were looked down upon because nobody likes a thief. So they had this sentence, they had been condemned. And if no one likes a thief, perhaps all of their life, they had been looked upon and shamed because they were thieves. When we come to the end of our life, many of us, we will do what is called a life review. Do I have any regrets? Is there anything I could have done differently? Three men condemned, and only one of the three could say, I lived a life. I have no regrets. I have lived a life that is pleasing to God. Luke's crucifixion scene shows the wide scope of Jesus' offer of salvation. Jesus offers salvation, grace, and mercy, even to the one that nobody likes, even to the one that no one can stand. Whatever evil or crime has been done, there is no barrier for acceptance into Jesus' kingdom. You cannot out grace. Jesus shows grace and mercy to the one that nobody likes. Jesus' grace extends not only to the thief, but whatever your sin of choice might be. God's grace and God's mercy is available to you. And it's available in an instant. It doesn't take a long time. We don't have to tarry and wait. We just say, God, forgive me for what I have done. And Jesus promises the one that no one likes, today you will be with me in paradise. So God's grace extends even to the ones we don't like. The amazing thing about the grace and mercy of Jesus is that Jesus loves the very one that you hate. Even the thief. Even the thief. And everyone knows that no one, nobody likes a thief. But Jesus, he's hung between two thieves. The Prince of Peace, God's Son, extends love and friendship even to the thief and says, Today 
you will be with me in paradise. Now on this last thing, and I'm through. Millennials have a lot of control over us. We want to do everything that will appeal to a millennial. What are the millennials going to think? How is that going to appeal to the millennials? If we want our churches to grow, we're going to have to appeal to the millennials. I do know one thing about the millennials. They like the hashtag. <laughs> they want to put a hashtag on everything. everything. If you want them to believe it, simply put a hashtag on it. Hashtag. Oh love that will not let me go. I bind my wandering heart to thee. Hashtag. Hashtag it. it is by grace that you are saved and not of yourselves. Hashtag. Hashtag. I love the Lord. He heard my cry. And he pitied every groan. Hashtag. When we were without strength, Christ died for the ungodly. Hashtag, the dying thief rejoiced to see that fountain in his day. And there may I, though vile as he, wash all my sins away. Hashtag, today you will be with me in paradise. Hashtag, thank you for your mercy. Hashtag. Thank you for your grace. Hashtag. Thank you for salvation. Hashtag. Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. Hashtag. Thank you for your love, your mercy, and your grace. Today, you will be with me in paradise. God be praised.
eternal and everlasting God. We come today just thanking and praising you. Right now, Lord, we ask that you take your preacher and hide me behind the cross as I stand behind the sacred desk. Let there be less of me and more of you. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. John chapter 19, verse number 26, records this. Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing by. He said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. For a little while today, I want to work with the sermon subject, Behold the Power of the Cross. This is the third saying of Jesus as he hung on the cross. There was a crowd that had gathered to watch going on. Among the crowd was Mary, the mother of Jesus. The scripture says that when Jesus saw his mother there, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. The sign above his head reads, this is Jesus of Nazareth. But Mary, she weeps when she thinks this is my son. I would imagine that Mary remembers kissing his brow as she put him to bed. Now his brow is bloody from the crown of thorns. She remembers holding and guiding his tiny hands and his feet as he learned to walk. Now his hands and feet are nailed to the cross. She remembers rubbing his back to console him. Now his back is scarred from being beaten. The question is, how much can a mother take? I I imagine there are many mothers who ask that question today. As violence in the streets, and we see uh, those who are sworn to protect us killing us, When we send our children to school and sometimes they don't come home, we must ask the question, how much can a mother take? As Mary surveys this heartbreaking scene, I would imagine her mind goes back to a happier visit to Jerusalem. It was 22 years ago when Jesus was 12. Mary and Joseph had taken Jesus on their pilgrimage to Nazareth to observe the Passover. She remembers how excited her son was to see the temple. But most of all, she remembers the journey home. They were on their way home, her and Joseph, and they realized that Jesus is not with them. In a panic, she and Joseph rushed back to Jerusalem, and they found Jesus in the temple, 
son, she scolded him. Why have you done this? Your father and I have been searching for you everywhere. Jesus replied, did you not know I must be about my father's Mary uh, didn't, didn't understand what he meant. But as the years passed, she began to realize that his life, his life would be shaped by his father's will, not his mother's dreams. Now, now as Mary stands at the foot of the cross, she understands that Jesus is finishing the final piece of his father's business. Her heart is broken and her heart is pierced. How much can a mother take? She, she, she's experienced sorrow. She's experienced losing her son on the way home, but now she's losing him to death. He's hanging on the cross, and, and Jesus says, Woman, behold thy son. How much? Can a mother take? Has she not seen enough? She's seen them spit on him and curse him. She's seen them whip him and beat him. She's seen her son being tortured to death. And she couldn't lift a finger. She couldn't help him. She couldn't do anything about it. How much can a mother Jesus says to her, woman, hold thy son. And so I wondered, why would Jesus say, woman, behold thy son? Well, what I want you to uh, remember is that this is not the first time that Jesus has referred to his mother as woman. Remember the wedding at Cana? Jesus said to his mother, woman. What does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. I, I wondered, I wondered why. So I looked up the word behold. And the word behold means to see or observe a thing or a person, especially a remarkable or impressive one. I think I had the answer. I think I had the answer. So, but has she not seen enough? She's seen the brutality and her son was in, in doing. She's seen his pain. She's seen the torture. She's seen his life slowly coming to an end. So how was Jesus thinking of his mother when he said, Woman, behold your son? Well, you see, Jesus knew. While he was on the cross, he, he, he knew the significance of his crucifixion. So, so maybe, just maybe, Jesus wanted his mother to see the bigger picture. Anyone here ever tried to get your mother or your father to see the bigger picture? Maybe, just maybe, Jesus wanted her to see more than just her son hanging on the cross. 
Maybe Jesus wanted her to see the bigger picture, to see him as more than just a son, to see him as a savior. Anybody here see him as a savior? You see, we, we have this thing about Mary. Yes, Mary was his mother, but Mary was like all humanity. She needed a savior too. Oh, oh, she was highly favored. And and she was privileged above all women. She was chosen to bear the Messiah. But she too needed to believe. She needed to believe upon the power of the cross. Jesus didn't want his mother to look at him on the cross and just see her son dying. Jesus wanted his mother to behold the power of the cross. And Jesus wants us to behold the power of the cross. We, he, he wants us to see more than his pain, to see more than his agony, to see more than his bleeding. He wants us to behold the cross and see the Son of God. Behold the cross and see the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Behold the cross and not just see his pain, but to see his precious blood that was shared for you and me. Behold the cross and the sacrifice that was made for you and for me. Behold the cross and not just see his agony, but to see our salvation. Behold the cross and not just see his death, but to see his resurrection three days later. Behold the cross and see the hope that is offered. Behold the cross and see that apart from him there is no hope. Behold the cross and see that he is the way, the truth, and the life. Behold the cross. See and accept him as our Lord and Savior. I just stopped by to tell somebody today, there's power in the cross. There's power in the cross. Behold the cross. Behold the cross. Behold the power of the cross. I have heard the voice and it told thy love to me and I long to rise in the arms of faith and be close and drawn to thee, draw me nearer, nearer, blessed Lord, to the cross where thou hast died. Oh, draw me nearer. Nearer, 
blessed Lord to thy precious thy precious bleeding side oh can I just draw me nearer nearer blessed Lord to the cross where thou hast died draw me near oh nearer nearer blessed Lord to thy precious you know it's precious to thy precious his blood is precious to thy precious thy precious bleeding sign that's my song that's my prayer request Now from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, there was darkness all over the land. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabbatene. That is my God, my God. I imagine that he didn't just kind of say it soft. I don't think this was just a general conversation. He says, my God. And he says it twice. My God, why hast thou forsaken me? See, I'm analytically sound for my few minutes. This little sermonette is entitled, The What in the Why. The What in the Why. I think you will agree that it is a wonderful thing to be accepted, to feel affirmed, to be endorsed, to have someone put their stamp of approval on you, to be supported by a source that can help you be the better you. It's a wonderful feeling to know that somebody good is on your side. That there's someone you can turn to when everybody else is busy. And people are busy today. But it's good to know that you got somebody, your 911. 
that won't put your own. Listen, it's great when people of authority know your name. They'll shake your hand. They'll give you a warm smile and a kind welcome. It's good to be affirmed by others. Your feelings of importance is enhanced when you've been placed on somebody's speed dial or you're on somebody's email list or you're on their Christmas card list or their birthday card list. To know that somebody's thinking of you is a good thing. I imagine you're in here today, and, and the time that you've been in here, you've been thinking at least for a few seconds about somebody that you love, somebody that means something to you. Just take a moment and think about somebody that means something to you. Just everybody do that right now. It's good to be able to at least pull up one name. But you know, when you, if you can receive an invitation to graduation or, or, or the, to a wedding or to a holiday meal, it gives you a feeling of inclusion. It's always encouraging when someone is willing to defend you and sacrifice for you and stand with you and empower you and agree with you. It's just wonderful when you know that someone is in your corner. Can I get a window? Anybody in Reggie Gary's corner this morning? Can anybody? Are you in somebody's You know how some people, you can mess with certain people of the, fam, of the, fa, of the family, or, or, but you can't mess with nobody's mama. You can talk about some people, but you better not talk about my mama. Seem like at some point, somebody ought to get mad when somebody messes with you. Truth be told, I think that we thrive on the affirmation and encouragement of others. We need it. We need a pat on the back. The Word of God says it in those times when you're, you're discouraged, you have to pull up a David routine and encourage yourself in the Lord. Find you a mirror in the bathroom and give yourself a pat on the back and an attaboy and an girl, and don't let the devil just tell you you're a loser and you're washed up and broken beyond repair. Every now and then, you need to encourage yourself. But the truth will also be revealed that all of that endorsement and all of the affirmation and all of the approval and all of the the support and encouragement can, and in many cases, disappear. Everybody that you thought was important in your life years ago, they're not so important now. Matter of fact, can't stand them. I feel like I'm in the right room. <laughs> People that you thought that you could count on yeah. 
friends that you believed were faithful, individuals that you thought were indivisible can, can end up just gone, absent. And this is the thing, folks. People will cut out on you generally in the worst of your times. I think it was Bobby Womack, for some of y'all that remember the name, that says nobody wants you when you're what? Down and out. Nobody wants you now. Wants you to live the life of a millionaire. Spending all your money, honey. Oh, they didn't care. I'm going to leave. I just, I don't, I already sang. It was at his most needful hour that Jesus, the very Son of God, declares a feeling of complete abandonment. He feels deserted. He feels forgotten, rejected, vacated, ignored, neglected, and refused. He said that he felt forsaken. The verb forsaken means to be renounced or to be turned away from completely. To be forsaken means that people, that's when somebody won't even speak to you, won't even want to look at you. Our time together today will not allow us to lose sight of the fact that this Forsaken person is not just any old body, but this is Jesus, the Son of God, Emmanuel, God's Son that had a complaint against his Father. All along, it was he and the I and the Father are one. We'd always hear that, but he, right now he's got an issue with his Father. He, 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 he got to that point now. Well, well, now wait a minute, Daddy. I got a problem with the feeling that I have. Maybe somebody in this room is going through something and, and you've done all you know how to do and you've prayed and cried and prayed and cried, but you just can't seem to get a breakthrough or a push through. And so here is Jesus at his most needful hour looking for his father. Like being in a fight, championship fight, and you go back to the corner and ain't nobody, nobody there. His father, his strength, his guide, and his source, his authority, and the one that he had come to earth to represent has now turned his back on him. I'm your son. Why? I've honored your name. Why? I've prayed to you privately and I've prayed to you publicly. Why? Food was multiplied under your authority. The blind received their sight and the lame walked and the dead came to life at your command. Why have you forsaken me? knew that this crucifixion would be painful, Father. 
but why have you left me to be in pain alone? Why? I need an answer from you. Jesus asked a question that required an answer. and The righteousness of God was on the line. He's too good to do wrong and too wise to make a mistake. What's up with this, God? Why, why, why is this happening? Why me and why now? And where are you? It's apparent that it is at this point that the what is revealed for the why. God saw the sins of the world smeared all over the sun, the body of his son. He was covered with every vile, every evil, every immoral, and every wicked act of mankind. He was covered. All that I have done in my life and will do, all that you've done in your life and will do, was represented in the covering of this Savior. He was saturated with sin. Every lie you've ever told, every, every envy you've ever, ever had, every illicit affair that you have been in or in now. Every wretched behavior was upon him. Now please understand I make my move away out from this place of responsibility. I want you to get the what and the why. Please understand, beloved, that at no time did God hate his son. At no time. He loved him. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. He loved him at all times. It was the sin or the, or the, or the what that caused the question of the why that the father had to turn away from his son. See, God could accept his son for who he was, but not what he was. He was covered with sin. And sin, if you did not know it, sin is unacceptable with God. Because of sin, Jesus was the only Savior that needed saving at the time. He was the Savior that needed saving. Saving. Sin is the only thing. Hear me clearly. Sin is the only thing that will separate us from God. And I might get you to agree. Sin hurts. Don't it? Keep on acting up. Sin hurts. And he carries the, the sins of the world on his shoulders. It's in the depths of sin's reality where the true cry of mercy lies. 
God answers the why. The why have you forsaken me? He answers the why question of, uh, of Jesus. He says, you have been forsaken because the sin of debt has not yet been paid. In other words, God, without saying it, was telling Jesus, yeah, I got to turn away because the debt hasn't been, been paid. You got to die first. You got to I know you want me there with you, but you got to die first. You, you can't, that's why you came. That's why I sent you. So you've got, to, you've got to die first. It was through the Levitical law that the will of God's heart regarding sin was revealed because we understand without the shedding of blood or the dying, there is no remission for sin. Being forsaken. Hear me clearly now. Being forsaken was necessary. If death was going to take place, it was a necessary pain. If he had not turned his back on him, if he had not forsook him, death would have never taken, never taken place. And it is in the personal sacrifice of one's life that is a necessary, that is necessary to be reconciled to God. But it only comes after the blood. Affirmation from, from, from God comes after the blood. Endorsement from God comes after the blood. Approval uh, from God comes, but it only comes after the blood. Power from God comes, but it only comes after the blood. Mercy and grace and peace and, and hope can come from God, but it has to come after the blood. It's after the blood that we are transferred from forsaken to forgiven. It's the what in the why. He had to be forsaken because if he hadn't been, he could not have died. And so as you look at your own little old life and consider your own little old relationship with the Lord, be very careful to keep sin at a distance so that you can walk in the pathways of duty and there will always be an answer to the what for your why. Goodbye. Praise the Lord, everybody. Are you having a good time in the Lord today? We're going to, at this time in our worship service, we're going to do something that everyone can participate in. I wish I could sing like Dr. Gary. 
I wish I could come up with something as original as that hashtag that Dr. Elvin came with. We may not be able to sing or be that clever, but one thing that we can do is we can share in giving back to the Lord and his work what he's given to us. Amen? It's offering time, everybody. Come on, give the Lord some praise for that. No, I'm having a wonderful time in the Lord, and you are as well. So we're going to ask you on today if you would share in this offering with us at least $25. Share with us today that we may be a blessing. I want you to be a blessing so that we can continue to be a blessing. You see all these lights, all this air conditioning that's blowing, all these musicians singing and all that. Y'all know we got to pay for all that, right? I want you to help me take care of business. Will you do that today? All right, so following the instructions of the ushers, I'm going to ask you if you would go out of the outer aisle and walk around. We've been sitting for a little while, amen? So we're going to walk a little bit and give our offering and also stretch a bit, Amen. As the musicians play, we're going to pray first and then following the instructions of the ushers, we're going to invite you to come. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we want to thank you for this Good Friday service. We want to thank you, Lord God, for both the gifts and the givers. We pray that they will all be used for the uplifting of your kingdom. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. to Bethel AME Church, please. If you're writing a check, make it out to Bethel AME Church. Oh, no. 
this has been another segment of the Christian Corner. It's so blessed and wonderful to have you here with us for the time period that you were here. Hopefully you got something out of it, some motivational, some movement, some spiritual guidance, whatever you seek, praying for you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, and see you next time on the Christian Corner.